2: what's overthrowing my democratically elected state Uh, i'm robert evans this is behind the bastards a podcast about the worst people in all of history and uh we are of course recording in the immediate wake of what i think can fairly be called an insurrection uh by fascist dominated right-wing militants And in the immediate wake of that, uh, I sat down with my producer, Sophie. Sophie, uh, say hi.
4: Hello, friends.
2: not literally sit down together because of no. the plague, but we, we got on a text chat and I was like, you know, this fascist insurrection against a democratically elected government has a lot of similarities with other fascist insurrections against democratically elected governments. Perhaps mm-hmm. we should talk about the history of fascist insurrections against democratically elected governments in order to better prepare people for what needs to be done in the wake of this to stop them from succeeding the next time. Yes. And of course, once we had that idea, the only person we could possibly bring on was our good friend Jason Petty, AKA Prop. What up? What the lick, Reed? What's up with that failed nation state? How y'all feeling?
4: (laughs) Quite literally. I I, I think I text Prop and I was like, hey, I want to do this. And like, it was like, yes.
5: Yeah, no brainer. (laughs) There's like, there's so like, you know, Robert, myself, anybody else who has like a seventh grade level understanding of history has been like kind of, flaring their arms like the crazy (laughs) scientists in every movie that's like y'all the aliens are coming guys i don't understand how come nobody is seeing us telling y'all we're standing on our heads yelling at you like this is point for point like (laughs) bar for bar point for point we've seen this before and i don't understand what you don't
2: understand yeah Uh, how how did this (sighs) because I've been warning about this for quite a while. and uh,
4: That it it could happen here.
2: That it could happen here. And people continuously are like, I can't believe you predicted this. And it's like, nobody predicted this. Everyone who was paying attention was like... Oh, this is obviously going to happen yes. because thousands of people are promising to do this.
5: Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, the dog, my favorite one, my favorite meme going around was uh one with, with Ron Burgundy. He was like, wow, that escalated slowly <laughs> yeah. over the past 10 years. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> like, yeah, I know. I can't believe these people did exactly what they said they was gonna do. This is crazy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, and so. You know, the reason we decided to do the special miniseries behind the insurrections is that I think that's historical... That's by the way. That's yeah. what this is called that it, you're listening it, 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 to. Give
5: it insurrection. That's your last yeah. Mention.
2: Yeah. You and I did a similar thing last year when the uprising yeah. against the police started where we kind of talked about the history of the police. And I thought that was useful to inform people both the context of why folks were angry for a mm-hmm. lot of folks who maybe had never really thought that much about the police and didn't understand all the, the hatred. Um, and I also thought it was useful because understanding you know the history of something that you want to fight is useful in fighting it, um, yeah. whether it's the police state or a fascist insurrection. And understanding what other fascists have done throughout history and where they've succeeded and failed and how the people opposing those fascists have succeeded or failed yeah. is important both for us to know what's coming next and to avoid making the same mistakes that other people made in the past that led to them being ruled by fascists, which right. I'd like to avoid. So
4: naturally, I would love to avoid that. So naturally, we're going to start with Rome, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're Absolutely. Gonna, we're we're going to be starting with my old friend, uh, Benito M. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Big Benny, uh, as Big, no one has Big ever Benny called Mo. him, you know Benny Moo, <laughs> yeah. Benny Mo. yeah, Big Benny <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Thing,
5: the thing that are like, I, I mean, we gonna get into this, but like, off jump the the, in in my hopes to like, you know, help people figure out ways to inroads to, you know, their family members who have been cooked by this like fascist movement is like is is dig inside of you and understand what it feels like to be disenfranchised and what it feels like to feel like you've been left behind by those that are supposed to take care of you and if you could understand that you know coupled with a person having really non powerful antennas to know that they being fed bullshit you know what i'm saying um then I feel like you're you're like you're, you're starting to get an owner's manual as to like how to not let yourself in you trying to stop a fascist regime, not incensing and creating martyrs out of them and, and confirming their feelings that, uh, you know, everybody against them. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's a matter of like getting behind that and being like, OK, it, if this election was stolen, that would suck. Mm-hmm. You're right. That would suck if that was true. It's
2: yeah. not, though. It's not. Yeah. No. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's just not. It's though. like with yeah. QAnon. Yeah. I mean, if a bunch of Satan worshiping pedophile wizards were eating yeah. all of our children, that would be a problem. We should fight that. <laughs> but that's not happening. It's just not true, bro. Yeah. 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 The real pedophiles in power are more like the guy you think is the second coming. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So let's 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 talk about old old Benito Mussolini. Um, I started thinking about Benito as I was watching live stream footage of people mm-hmm. breaking through the Capitol barricades and into offices with zip ties and weapons. Um, and I, I know that while this was happening in the immediate wake of it, a lot of people started bringing up historical comparisons. And unfortunately, I think a ton of those historic comparisons were were bad, were the wrong ones to make. A good example of this would be a ton of people who compared the events of the 6th to Kristallnacht, uh, the Night of Broken Glass. Yeah. Um, And I think everyone here knows what that is. For those that don't listening, it was a pogrom, which is a racial a mass racial assault like on members of a specific race basically yeah um that was instituted by the nazi government against jewish people in germany hundreds of synagogues and jewish-owned businesses were burnt down in the space of a night um hundreds of people were killed um and it was a nationwide racial attack carried out at the government's behest right yeah um yeah. That's not what we saw on the 6th. That's not this. Right? Nah. <laughs> That's not <It's>, this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, probably the most prominent person to make that comparison was our current governor, our former governor of California and current Arnold mm-hmm. Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, whose video otherwise had some really good stuff in it I, about... Yeah, yeah, I was
5: going to say, I kind of
2: dig it in the
5: sense yeah. of like the way he was talking about the remorse mm-hmm. of people that was a part of it. I think if mm-hmm. he was going to pull the Austria card, like it would have been a better... Although I a, a better um parallel, but yeah when um when they burnt the parliament right before yes. uh, yeah that's a more better comparison, yes. you know what I'm saying? Yeah than crystal than, uh, Yeah, than crystal Absolutely. Schwarzen- but yes. yes,
4: Schwarzenegger has great TikTok content. He's got like a pet donkey that follows him around. I'm <laughs> sure he does. Look it I'm up. sure he does. For a laugh.
5: He's definitely like the like the meme of like, you know. When it's heartbreaking that the worst person you yeah. know makes
2: an excellent point, <laughs> it makes a like, really good yes, point. Freak. Exactly. Man. Yeah. A great point, bro. Yeah, And I think his best point was just like how, you know, the victims of fascism continued long after the war, including the children of Nazis who, you know, were abused by parents and stuff. Great point to make. Wrong about Kristallnacht. When we're talking about actually good historic comparisons and valuable ones to what happened on the 6th in D.C., there are a few. Uh, One of them, as you noted, was the the burning of the Austrian parliament, which I think we're going to talk about a a, a bit later in this series. Mm -hmm. Um, But And uh, other folks have kind of much more aptly, I think, compared what happened in the sixth to uh, the Munich Beer Hall Putsch, uh, which was Adolf Hitler's first attempt to seize power. And there's a lot of good reasons to compare that to the sixth. It's not really a perfect comparison. None of them are, um, in part because when Hitler tried to overthrow the government starting in Munich, he was a political rabble rouser with no power who was trying to spark a mass revolution. And on January 6th, it was like tens of thousands of the president's fans, including a lot of police officers, active duty soldiers and elected leaders who tried to take over the capital. Mm -hmm. It's a bit different. So if we're looking for a better historic parallel to January 6th, I I think we might be better served by going back a year before the 1923 Beer Hall Putsch, when a completely different fascist, Benito Mussolini, led what came to be known as the March on Rome. Yeah. Um, A lot of really good comparisons to what's (gasps) happened, a lot of good lessons in the March on Rome um so uh, most it's people- also good before you start is
5: yeah, yeah. just if you could it's you never really want to like reach into the past and draw like direct lines right if you will but if you could think to yourself just as a general grid if in the story you on the side of Mussolini you probably on the wrong side of history I think we can say that completely so now as you continue think about your position in this yeah <laughs> And you, that might be able to tell you which side of history you should be on right now.
2: Anyway, go it, on. And if you're, if you're rightfully on the side of history, that's like, well, I don't want to stand with Mussolini, which I think the vast, I I I think the vast majority of people listening to this are already there. Yeah. I think one of the things this teaches is why the people who didn't want Mussolini to wind up in charge yeah. failed, you know? Yes. And and it's important to know that as well, yes. right? Yes. Um, so. Most people are probably broadly familiar of Benito Mussolini, um, but because of how history went down, he tends to be remembered mostly as like Hitler's ridiculous and kind of sad sidekick, yeah. like the least threatening dictator on the <laughs> Axis side. Um, Mussolini doesn't wind up as like the frightening villain in a lot of movies, right? Yeah. You know,
5: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's good. I never thought of it like that, but
2: yeah, yeah, because it's
5: like you're just like, oh, you, oh yeah, you Hitler light.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> unless she was yeah. in, unless she was in unless she was in uh, Italy you
2: know? yeah I mean even then Italy would have been it would have been better to be you know a Jewish person in Italy than in Germany yeah, sure. not a high bar you know <laughs> the lowest bar in the lowest history actually bar ever, yeah. the bare minimum yeah, yeah. Um, but yes he, he gets this kind of reputation of just being like incompetent and the junior partner to Hitler and not very frightening yeah. and that really misses a lot of the history and what what people at the time when Mussolini rose to power thought, because Hitler actually, in some ways, idolized Mussolini. um, And he patterned his career off of Mussolini's career. The Munich Beer Hall Putsch was inspired directly by the March on Rome. Mm -hmm. Mussolini was not just the first, um, like, Mussolini was the first fascist dictator. He was the man who created fascism as a political ideology that actually took power, right? We talked wow. about Gabriel D'Annunzio who kind of invented a lot of the ideas that became fascism uh-huh. as a, and who was a, a contemporary of Mussolini's. Mm-hmm. But Mussolini is the guy who made fascism work for the first time. And when I say yeah. work, I mean actually seized power, not that yeah. it was a good government or anything. Yeah. Um, he was the first fascist who seized power from a functional democracy. So he's he is not an incompetent buffoon and you, kind, no. it, you you it behooves you to understand how he succeeded in the way yeah. that he did. Um we're going to do a full set of episodes on his life at some point on Behind the Bastards but since we're just focused on the march on Rome today I'm going to give a little cliffs notes of Benito's life prior okay. to him coming to power. Awesome. So Benito Amilcar Andrea Mussolini, which is quite a name. Yo, um, that is a mafia boss right there. <laughs> yeah, except for yes. the Andrea, right? Except then. for the Andrea, it's <laughs> <That's> a little. <laughs> odd. That is when he got when he got baptized,
5: <laughs> yeah. his christening. They gave him Andrea.
2: Yeah, either that or it's like a boy named Sue situation and it turns out that's actually a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he was born on July 29th, 1883 in a small Italian town that I'm not going to try to pronounce right now. His father, <laughs> Alessandro, was a blacksmith and a socialist. He named Benito after Mexican president Benito Juarez, who's the namesake of Juarez and who was the first <laughs> indigenous president of Mexico um, and was a, a famous liberal, you know? Yeah. Um I thought that was interesting. I had that's no idea. Super
5: interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. In 1902. So that's like his background. He was very yeah. left wing, right? Like yeah. your parents are naming you after the liberal indigenous president of Mexico. That's, like, a, that's, that's, that's
5: quite a thing. That's a flex right there, man. That's yeah. quite
2: a thing. What a pivot. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, this guy is one of the great all-time historic <laughs> yeah. pivots, you know? Yeah. Um, in 1902, Benito fled to Switzerland to avoid compulsory military service. He became active in the Italian socialist movement from afar, and he grew obsessed with the writing of syndicalist Georges Morel, who believed that capitalist democracy needed to be overthrown by a combination of general strikes and violent direct action. So <laughs> he's he's a socialist, he's a leftist, but he's a fan of these guys who are like, we need a revolution, and violence is okay in that revolution, right? That's it's like a big, big chunk of his early ideological upbringing. Yeah. In 1904, Benito returned to Italy under a general amnesty for draft dodgers, in exchange for which he uh, he had to serve in the military for two years. He did his time. He got out. and He became a left wing journalist and a firebrand, participating in a 1911 riot protesting Italy's imperialist war in Libya. Uh, he did night or five months in prison for this. So. Not just like a talker, like he puts his skin in the game and he does time protesting an imperialist war. Dang. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he was not like wishy-washy about this stuff, I guess is the point I'm making. So as a hardcore leftist, Mussolini hated the monarchy, which in Italy at the time was similar in its kind of power to the British monarchy. Italy is a constitutional monarchy at this point, okay. so more or less a democracy, but they've got a king and he has some power. Um, in 1912, Mussolini stated, the king is nothing more than a useless citizen and the Italian flag is fit only for a dung heap. So, Sheesh. Yeah. Burn it all down, Mussolini. Burn it all down kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much. Okay. Very much. Very much. Now, it, it may seem odd that the first fascist dictator was a committed left-wing activist yeah. in his youth, but it's really not that strange. This is a pattern that we see repeating itself over and over throughout the history of fascism. In more recent times, just to talk about stuff that's happened in the last like four years, Jason Kessler, who's the, the mm, fascist yep. who planned and organized the first Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, got his start in political activism at Occupy in New York. You can find in Unicorn Rights Discord chats him talking about being very into Occupy at the time. Wow. Um, Andrew Arenheimer... Weave, who's a neo-Nazi hacker and a prominent member of the fascist movement in this country, claims to have been an organizer at Occupy Wall Street. I found discussions in Unicorn Riots Archive where Weave debates with other Nazis who were there about how Occupy could have been handled differently and been more successful. And for a lot of these Nazis, the failure of the Occupy movement to garner any real change and the ease with which the police swept it aside were major factors in radicalizing these guys to the far right. One Mm. fascist that I found in a Discord conversation said, Quote, I was at Occupy Wall Street in 2011. It was blackpilling as fuck, by which he means the experience was so disheartening that it pushed him towards fascism. Yeah. Um, and that's really what we see with Mussolini. Yeah. Um, he's very involved in left wing politics. He gets arrested for them and he he sees them continue to fail. Right. They're, they don't succeed in overthrowing the government. They don't succeed in pushing the changes that he believes are necessary. And it starts to embitter him. I, I I
5: often think that yeah. like some of that happens in the black community mm-hmm. with just also like, like still trying to wrap my brain around, like saw a video of crips for Trump on the, on the, uh, <laughs> at the, at the, at the, at the insurrection earlier, it was mm-hmm. like Chris for Trump, West side, something, something. And I, I, and I could not wrap my brain around, like how this would work. But I think it's it, I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that like, You know, we've tried so hard. We put our flag in the sand with this particular way of approaching, you know, political change and it not working that you're like, well, forget it, you know, and then like, well, maybe this will work. Maybe this going this direction speaks more to like, since the empire, the machine just met us with might and just overpowered us with might because they just, they're just more powerful. Y'all only... Recourses to be like, well, I need to be more powerful than that.
2: I yeah. some, I don't know. Yes, I mean, that's yes, that's exactly. Yeah, when you when you're, I think you're really onto something. Like when you're when you're getting your ass kicked, and. I think some of this is like, I think this is probably more common with males who are kind of males, in activism yes. or like. And you get, your pride is harmed yeah. by, the, by getting the shit kicked out of you repeatedly, by the repeated failure to win, to advance, um, by the, yeah. the sheer strength of your opponents. I do think that that can have the effect of pushing people in that kind of more violent authoritarian direction yeah. where you're like, well, I just want to win. Yeah. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that has... If that's a part of what's going on, and I, I think it is for Mussolini, because the switch yeah. for him really happens as a result of World War One. Um, so basically, what you've got with World War One: Archduke Franz Ferdinand gets shot uh, dead, along with his wife, yeah. and it starts this this series of events, right? Um, where Austria is going to invade Serbia, and Russia mm-hmm. is going to come in on the side and of backup, uh, and like it, it starts this whole domino effect. And so there's months. Between his assassination and the actual outbreak of the war, where everyone knows that Europe is gearing up for a war. And prior to that happening, the international left, the communist international largely, had been very anti-war, very united across national boundaries. But as soon as a mass European war becomes a reality, shit starts to splinter. And there are a lot of folks who had been socialist leftists, like workers, who instead of kind of siding with workers' solidarity are like, well, I'm going to side with my country. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's not the only thing that's happening. There's also like this, the second international tries to organize like some sort of worker strike or something like there's a couple of ideas about how they might stop the war by organizing yeah. workers. And all of these ideas fail. Um, and, uh, you know, all of these ideas fail and Europe lurches towards war. And it's kind of like this moment where this big international left wing movement shows it that it's toothless. In yeah. the eyes of, at least, of a, uh, the eyes of a guy like Mussolini. Like, we said, yeah. like, this, we weren't going to let this kind of thing happen. And, and now it's happening. Yeah. Um, so that, that for one thing, is a source of frustration to a lot of people. Um, Mussolini is more directly enraged by something that happens earlier in 1914, um, something called Red Week, which was when a bunch of workers, there was a big mass workers revolt in Italy that was brutally put down by Italian police and the Royal Army. Um, and this had kind of convinced him that the bourgeoisie leaders of left-wing political parties, the actual like liberals and socialists in government, yeah. didn't really support revolution, and he yeah. did. So all of this stuff is kind of in the mix leading to him getting kind of blackpilled to use the words of that other Nazi. Um, And Benito doesn't come out as against the war as a result of this. Instead, he decides to become incredibly pro-war because Mm -hmm. he thinks it's going to accelerate the collapse of the Italian state and lead to a revolution, right? Yeah. Um, So in mid-September, after Italy announced her neutrality in the war, uh, Benito tells the staff of the newspaper he worked at, uh, Avanti, which was a socialist paper, that he'd become convinced that war alone could bring revolution to Italy. Um, So yeah, he's kind of like an accelerationist. We need to go to war because that's going to force a revolution. It's the only way.
5: Yeah yeah i i yeah when you it's it's i've always in at least in my head like i've i've kind of let go of the like linear swing of like you know far right far left in my brain i know we use that because that's how we understand the world right now but like it seems much more like circular to where it's like uh they ended authoritarianism at the end of the day they end with a with a strong dude like so so it was crazy like yeah so like the further left you go you're still gonna end at a dude overpowering everyone. i think yeah so i i i, f- I would i was gonna say which which why like i'm now leaning more towards thinking in anarchist ways of being like you got to get off this loop it's just this the the whole it's there we're going to land in the same place at some point somebody's yeah. going to get oppressed you know yeah
2: And what your – so there's a couple of things, a couple of terms that are used a lot for the kind of thought process that you just explained. One of them is horseshoe theory, which is this idea that the left and the right, when you go far enough, come around to the same place. And I I don't subscribe to that because I don't think that left-wing ideals and far-right ideals are super similar. But I do think that what you see that looks like that, the reason why the far-left and, say, Soviet Russia under Stalin and – the totalitarianism of Hitler have a lot yeah. of similarities and similar body counts is because authoritarians always. That's end what I'm up trying to say. Place. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. It's the authoritar- and it's authoritarian. authoritarian left, authoritarian right, and Mussolini is always an authoritarian leftist, so it's yeah. easy to go authoritarian right. Yeah. if you're anti-authoritarian, it's a lot harder to wind up at that. We should that's have a dictator what I'm trying to say. place. Yeah, yeah sometimes that's that's yeah, absolutely. So you need to yeah. get off the loop because
5: if it yeah. ends at authoritarianism, mm-hmm. then this is not where I need to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it ends with like all of the power being in one dude or a tiny number of people's hands. Yeah. No, that's not not what I want. No, it's what
5: I'm trying to, it's it's like somewhere on this horseshoe, I knew that that wasn't a good idea.
2: You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We need to get off the ride. And and Mussolini is very much just a guy who, he he he's he's of that he's 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 always been kind of an authoritarian. Yeah. Um in part because he is very in love with his own ideas and thinking. And that's the same when he's on the left as when he's on the right. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not a clean process of him going from socialist to fascist, but it happens over the course of not just World War One, but ramping up to getting Italy involved in World War One. So yeah. Italy had prior to the outbreak of hostilities been allied with the um the Central Powers. So they should have come in the war on Germany's side, but they very intelligently were like, nah no, nah, we're not <laughs> we're not doing this. This yeah, doesn't yeah, seem yeah, like yeah, a yeah. good idea. Yeah. But and that's why so they say we're not getting involved in the war. And Mussolini becomes a pro-war activist trying to force Italy to come into the war on the side of the allies. So fighting against the people they'd been allied with before. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to quote now from a write-up in 1914 to 1918 online, which is a World War I encyclopedia. It's a very good resource on all this. Wow. After his late October editorial demanded Italian intervention, socialist outrage prompted Mussolini's resignation, so he's forced to resign from the party he'd been a member of. When his pro-interventionalist newspaper, Il Popolo d'Italia, d'Italia the, the Italian people, I think is well what done. it stands for. Yeah, not, uh, appeared in mid-November. The party expelled him. Mussolini concealed its funding by industrialists, the French, his wealthy lover Margarita Safrati, and possibly Russian agents. For six months, through editorials and demonstrations, he promoted the interventionalist movement, collaborating with syndicalist Filippo Corradoni. Mussolini demanded war against Italy's allies, Germany and Austria-Hungary, to demolish bulwarks against European revolution. A victorious war would forge a national mass movement demanding political change. If the government rejected war, Mussolini threatened revolution. Most Italians favored peace, but Vittorio Emmanuel III, king of Italy, forced a war declaration on 24th of May 1915. So, There's a Mm. lot of interesting stuff that's happening there. One of them is that Mussolini has an ideological reason for wanting war because he thinks it's going to lead to revolution. Another is that he's very likely getting paid by foreign (laughs) powers in order to incite Italy to come in on their side. Yeah. Um,
4: Kind of like our ad sponsors who pay us.
2: You know who does come in sponsored violence against... Trying to accelerate our wallets. Yeah. 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 Accelerate your wallets. Uh, accelerate, our wallets, robert. Yeah. Our, accelerate wallets. our wallets robert accelerate our wallets personal wallets there we go we can't we hit it we we landed on it here's products the evidence keeps pouring in at this point the facts are undeniable it's an open and shut case monopoly go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game millions of people pass go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert.
4: It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us
0: thought they were going to kill me. So I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims
2: oh we're back um so yeah we're, we're talking about mussolini becomes this very much like interventionalist figure and there's a mix of ideology and foreign backing that kind of pushes him towards it and i could talk about websites like the gray zone and their weird russian funding and how they're ostensibly left-wing but also pro imperialist intervention when some countries do it, but I won't because we need to move on to the story of Benito Mussolini. But we've seen these patterns happen recently as well. Yeah. So Mussolini was obviously just one very prominent voice in favor of war. He was a major pro-war figure, but he was probably, he was not the only one. uh, And he was probably less influential than Gabriel D'Annunzio, who again, we covered in a two-parter that I'd recommend people listen to. And to his minimal credit, after helping to monger his nation into war, Mussolini joined the army and fought as a bersagli Uh, which is like a a marksman it's almost like a special forces unit right like it's an elite military unit kind of like the army rangers it seems okay um and he was wounded at the front by an exploding mortar in one of Italy's many bloody stalemates with Austria. Since he'd become a very public face of the pro-war movement, the king came to visit him twice while he was in the hospital. Benito became a bona fide celebrity, and when the war ended, this provided him with a great deal of political capital. He moved further and further right, pulled in by the spell of Gabriel D'Annunzio's proto-fascist rhetoric. When Italy was screwed over by her allies with the spoils of war, because, like, Italy had come in on the side of the allies, but they didn't really get shit at the end of it. Like, they wanted a lot more territory, more of Austria, and they kind of got fucked out of it. Um, And that pisses off the Italian right who feel like we fought and bled and lost our comrades for this and we didn't get anything. And it's because of our lame ass left wing government. Um, Mm. That's how a lot of folks feel. Um, And yeah, Mussolini becomes is basically, by the time the war ends, is is pretty entrenched in the growing far right in Italy. And he supports Gabriel D'Annunzio when D'Annunzio leads an army of Italian special forces veterans to occupy the city of Fiume. Um, and this is, again, we talk about this in our episodes on D'Annunzio, but Fiume is this city that was part of Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia gets created at when yeah. World War One ends, uh-huh. and they get this city that Italy thought should be theirs. So D'Annunzio leads an army of retired special forces veterans to take it. And they turn it into this weird, it's like this melting pot because in, you know, 1918, 1919, you've got all these ideologies that are like still kind of forming anarchism and communism and fascism are popular in a lot of like similar circles of people. There's a lot of interplay between them at this period because they're all kind of new ideologies being developed. And the same kinds of people who are interested in radical politics are all hanging out together. Yeah. 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 So fume is like a big melting pot for all these kinds of things. And it winds up being the place where a lot of what becomes fascism gets cooked up. You know, um, it's
5: like, as, that's interesting you say it because like I, I do picture it as like this like, yeah, like planets form like nebulous balls of gas yeah. where it's like it's all the same elements and like, you know, you're it's still like, yeah, all this stuff is still kind of coalescing and stuff like that. And but I also think this particular moment in history for me is is it's it should be very anchoring or or calibrating for yeah. all of us because what it tells you is that Borders are bullshit. Like, yeah, it, yeah. Not, like, it's not real. Borders aren't real. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody just decided that fumes in Yugoslavia, like, you, Yugoslavia came out of this plot of land has been here the whole time. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, somebody drew a line
2: around it. You know what I'm saying? So, I and just, like, like. a large chunk of the city's population are Italian. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. All
5: of a sudden, they just woke up in another yeah. country. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that to me, Like I need everybody to remember that when we're
2: talking about our modern politics, like the shit came from here and it's made up. Well, and when we're talking about why so many people, because one of the things you see in this period is a lot of people who were anarchists become fascists and a lot of fascists become anarchists. And it's because in part, because when you, when you live through a thing where suddenly tens of millions of people wake up one day in a completely different country than they went to sleep in. Yeah. Everything's more malleable, right? Everything's more malleable. And it's not. Obviously, like fascism and anarchism are not similar ideologies, but people who are into both may be drawn to certain similar things. For example, a major aspect of fascism is the cult of action for action's sake, uh-huh. the beauty of violence and physical exertion and wow. speed. Mm-hmm. And a lot of anarchists were also into direct action, physical violence, fighting. Like, And so if yeah. you've got – communities that are kind of embracing this idea of action for action's sake some Mm -hmm. of them are anarchists some of them are fascists but a lot of times they're going to wind up at the same fucking places you know which is kind of you also if you look at germany prior to hitler's rise to power there were times when the communists and the fascists fought alongside each other against the cops Mm -hmm. it happened it's a thing that occurred
5: just this understanding that like whatever we have right now isn't working so, exactly. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so you're all going to be in a same space. you
2: know. Yeah. Saying? And a lot of people in fume, they're not, they maybe have called themselves a fascist or an anarchist at the time or a communist. Yeah. It wasn't really settled in their minds. They just yeah. knew that what they had grown up with was wrong, you yes. know? Yes. Um and yeah, so Fiume is one of the things that comes out of this experiment in Fiume is the Italian fascist movement gets like solidified in a lot of ways. But it it starts before, like there's thinkers pushing it before then. And while D'Annunzio is off on his adventure in Fiume, um, Benito Mussolini forms a fascist party in March 23rd of 1919. Now... <clears throat> A lot of the impetus behind the early fascists uh, in Italy were demilitarized army veterans, and particularly special forces guys. Um, Most of the fighters who accompanied D'Annunzio to Fiume were members of the Arditi, which is like the Italian equivalent of like special forces guys like okay. they were very elite soldiers Mussolini had served in an elite unit of marksmen um, there were a bunch of like the the guys who followed denunzio the arditi were like trench like stormers they would do like what the German stormtroopers would do um, and they were terrifying people they would go into battle with like knives in their teeth and grenades Ooh. in both hands like running directly ahead of artillery barrages and like Ooh. this is where like a lot of that cult of action for action yeah. sake these are adrenaline junkies the it's a huge uh-huh. part of early fascists in Italy and Germany. These are guys who became ad- addicted to adrenaline during the war and mm. can't stop fighting when they get back home. And it's a thing that is a factor in our modern fascist movements, right? Clearly. A lot of yeah. a lot of vets and cops and stuff wind up in that. Yeah, um, I'm
5: also interested in just the. Whenever somebody says, "Oh, I started a political party," I'm like, "Logistically, what does that look? Was there like paperwork you file? Like, how do you start? Like, I still think, like, yeah, well, start a party."
2: We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. I, okay, I want to cool. get talk a little bit more about some of these demilitarized vets. Yeah, there's a form online somewhere. Yeah, yeah. The Arditi had been formed in June of 1917 um, as a special forces unit in Italy, um, and they were like when they were like sort of. Um, like new one of their commanding officers addressed the unit these very young men most of whom came from a peasant background who had gotten to be very good at fighting extremely experienced veterans and he tells his soldiers you are the first the best the future owners of Italy the new italian generation fearless and brilliant you will prepare the great future of italy the smile of the beautiful italian woman is your reward god you and, can't tell you can't tell no little like young hungry no. violent dude that no, exactly, right? They like, you see that. the yeah. seeds of this. Like, yeah, why so yeah. many of these guys become fascists? Yeah. And as an aside, one of the a- emblems on their uniform that they wore on their hats was a skull and crossbones, which mm. is the same basic emblem that the Nazi SS, which started yeah. as, like, Nazi street fighters before they yeah. were a military unit, you know, what they wore, right? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of the same shit's happening. These guys, the Arditi, are famous for giving the stiff-armed Roman salute, the Sig Heil, as yeah. most people know it. Sheesh. Um like, so a lot of this stuff, again, you see it all cooking up in World War I. Yeah. And by the time the war came to an end, the liberal political elite in Italy knew that these young guys were terrifying. That, like, oh shit, we trained up an entire generation of incredibly violent, incompetent at violence young men, wow. and now we have nothing for them to do. <laughs> like, and um that they realize this is a problem they disband the arditi like immediately after the war ends it Mm -hmm. takes less than a month but these guys are still all out there and they have no plan for demilitarizing them and i I, I could again make some comments about what happened in iraq after we dissolved the entire iraqi army (laughs) yes i was gonna say i'm like we living in that now It's never a good idea. You have Ever. to take care of these people afterwards otherwise no. they murder people in the streets sometime um, yeah. or become the nexus of a fascist political party. <laughs> um so again, Stop four point. months after Stop the armistice ended World War I, three months after the RDDR disbanded, on March 23rd, 1919, Benito Mussolini puts together a group of 100 angry young men, a mix of Italian war veterans, a lot of them special forces type guys, former mm. socialist elected leaders and journalists. They meet in Milan and they declare the formation of the fascist party. So Sheesh. that's how it happens. You get 100 dudes wow. together and you're like, we're a fucking political party now. Start recruiting. Yeah. And one of Benito's first moves is to start recruiting from the disaffected ranks of former soldiers. He brings in hundreds of these guys and he reorganizes them into paramilitary squads. Uniformed in black shirts and red fez caps, Mussolini's black shirts start going after their political opponents in the street. Now, in 19... Yeah. Find, that's just like yeah. the formula, doc.
5: Find somebody angry and give them a uniform. Give them a uniform,
2: <laughs> tell them it's okay to go out
5: and beat the shit out of people yeah. they already don't like. Yeah, and I'm already
2: angry, I'm yeah. already pissy, and you say those, those, those dudes are your problem. Mm-hmm. And there's, in any society that has just gone through a war and is dealing with economic inequality, which Italy is at this period, yes. an economic collapse and incompetent political leadership, you will be able to find tens, sorry, you will be able to find tens of thousands of those young men who are like, yeah, yeah I'll make this my whole life. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll Word? wear whatever Fred Let's Perry go. shirts. Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. I'll storm the Capitol. Like, <laughs> <Totally>. yes, <laughs> it's very yeah. easy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yes. Uh. So Mussolini forms the fascist party. He starts organizing all these squads of black shirts. And for an idea of how fast this gets out of hand in 1919, Mussolini starts the fascist party with a hundred men. By 1921, there were 300,000 members. Sheesh. Yeah. So I'm going to pause here for another little rant about modern anti-fascism because this is something that's also relevant to us. Over the last four years since Antifa became a household name after the first Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, liberal celebrities and politicians have repeatedly urged people not to confront fascists in the streets. Some have even complained about doxing, which is the public naming and shaming of fascist activists who are caught in the wild doing Nazi stuff. Now, the general argument tended to go something like this people showing up to fight them just emboldens them and brings more of them out. Ignore Mm -hmm. them and they'll go away. This was more or less the attitude of most but not all American liberals throughout much of the Trump administration. Antifa tended to be condemned as often as groups like the Proud Boys. Police were given a free hand to use violence on anti-fascists while fascist street movements were ignored or directly enabled by law enforcement and by political parties. Well, a political party. These organizations, as a result, grew steadily in power and reach for several years. Now, on January 2nd, 2021 liberal activist amy siskind tweeted if you live in dc stay off the streets on january 6th let the dc police take care of the white supremacists like they did in oregon yesterday i actually think it will be fun to watch lol Woo. yeah not a take that aged well Ah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah now when anti-fascists say fascist movements have to be confronted immediately and often with physical force they're not always at least using bluster or bravado they're certainly yeah. adrenaline junkies within the totally. ranks of a- i've no- met a few of those people absolutely but that's not entirely or even mostly what that is it is in fact a calculation based on a century of documented history yeah. um again from a hundred to 300,000 in about two and a half years. Yeah. Wow. Cause ain't nobody say nothing.
5: Yeah. Cause ain't or not enough was said or or not enough was said it's it's yeah. It's crazy when you're dealing with like when you, like I said, you already angry, you're already like all you understand is might. And it's like, you can't reason with somebody that only understand might. Yes. But then if I, go meet you with might and I don't beat you. Yeah. Then I, we all wasted our time and it, and you, you feel vindicated because I wasn't able to stop you. It's just, yeah, this, the, the whole, the whole concept just puts everybody in a pickle. It's not because, an easy thing to solve. Yeah. You can't
2: solve it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would like, I mean, the best solution is, to oppose them with overwhelming numbers because that actually yeah, drastically diminishes the amount of violence that there will be. If you, because yeah. none none of these guys want to get into a fight if they're outnumbered 300 to one. Yeah. That's not when the violence happens. It's when yeah. they have the numbers or there's parity of numbers, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's why people were saying like, what if tens of thousands of people had showed up in the streets of DC to protest? I don't think they would have made it through the Capitol barricades. Now... It's a pandemic. None of this is a simple situation and it wasn't simple in Italy. And we'll talk we're going to talk now about the anti-fascist resistance in Italy, because in Italy, like Italian fascism did face substantial resistance from anarchists and other anti-fascists. And we're about to talk about why that didn't wind up working out. Much of the anti-fascist resistance in Italy also came from members of the Arditi, from other like uh elite soldiers who just like weren't nazis right yeah. Who like hadn't be, or fascists who yeah. hadn't been pushed right who'd gone left instead or who just didn't you know, still believed in the idea of democracy yeah because again anti-fascists in italy there's a mix of like the hard left but also just like people who are republican right and yeah, i mean yeah, that yeah, in yeah. like the sense of i support a republican form of government yeah not like our yeah not like a modern republican it's yeah t- t- totally different yeah so the inciting incident for the violence between anti-fascists and fascists in Italy is generally seen to ha- uh, as having been an attack Mussolini ordered on April fifteenth, nineteen nineteen, against the newspaper he used to write for Avanti, which was the socialist party yeah. newspaper. Um, now Italian fascists were courageous and often well organized, but they had to contend with not just fascists but the police and the army. This meant that the deck was stacked against them from the beginning. Meanwhile, events in fume caused Mussolini to realize that he had. An advantage in the fact that the police and the army were inherently sympathetic to fascists. So again, mm. we talked about Denunzio's occupation of Fume um, in another episode, but I a brief refresher here is worthwhile. In short, uh, he occupies Fume for about fifteen months. Um, there's mm. all sorts of art and weird sex and and you know yeah, political over here churning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things go a little wild. And yeah. eventually the King of Italy, like is forced to do something. So King yeah. Victor Emmanuel, the third whose nickname was little sword. Cause he's a tiny guy. Sheesh, um, at least he, yeah. Guy, dude, yeah, of all things it. to be called, I know. Right? Little, a high, great little nickname. sword, bro. Yes, little sword, dang. yeah, dang. yeah. You know, I mean, they're Italians. You know what they're saying. Yeah, um, yeah. As like, called it, you can't be the king yeah. and called little sword. You no. got it, like, dang. That's he, so. He's not a very good king. <laughs> no. So, <laughs> um, he's very sympathetic to what Denunzio is doing. He wants Italy to control fume, right? So he yeah. thinks that Denunzio and his proto fascists are in the right, but also fume. Fume went to Yugoslavia by international treaty, and he's not about to go to war with the rest of Europe over a no. city of 60,000 people. So he has to send in the army and navy to clear D'Annunzio out in December of 1920. Now, after this, Denunzio's spell over the Arditi and the other really hardened war veterans who had like gone to him en masse, uh-huh. like, his spell over them is broken, and they switched their allegiance to Mussolini. So these guys, mm. the best fighters, like Mussolini's yeah. early guys aren't really as competent. The people yeah. who had taken Fume, who were like, really actually hard and dedicated um to fucking shit up like yep. those people start swarming over to mussolini in mass after december of 1920 and they expand the ranks of the black shirt significantly um and mussolini doesn't just benefit in that way he also takes a really important lesson away from what happens in fume and i'm going to read a quote from the warfare history network who did a great write-up on all of this This is them describing what Mussolini learns from this occupation. The police would often overlook fascist depredations in favor of attacking their traditional leftist enemies, the socialists. The police would also fire on opponents of the monarchy. More importantly, the Duce observed, which is Mussolini's nickname, so would the military. Therefore, he realized he had to win over the king, the police, and the armed forces by a clever mix of both public bluster and behind-the-scenes old-fashioned political maneuvering to attain appointed or elective office by legal means in other words denunzio he realizes denunzio is able to get this far and occupy Uh the city because the army wasn't willing to fight him the police weren't willing to stop him while he was marching there because they're sympathetic but when denunzio put himself in opposition to the italian crown and the will of the government Mm. the police and the army cracked down they did their duty because they're loyal to the state inherently so if he's going to win he can't be fighting them And he can make use of the fact that they're sympathetic if he just becomes part of the government. That's the way Mussolini realizes fascism is not going to win by a revolution. Fascism is going to win by democratic means because the deck is stacked in our favor if we try it that way. If we try to like lead a violent revolution, they'll murder us like they would anyone trying to lead a violent revolution. If we become part of the government, they'll help us crush our enemies and we'll gain power. Dude, yeah, the finessing because it's, yeah, it's, when you lay
5: it out, it's pretty logical, mm-hmm. you know, like, a, yeah, a, a monarch. We're talking about something that's lasted thousands. It's it's, it's in their DNA, dog. Like mm-hmm. you can't, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, it's too, it's like, it's too much to ask. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? It's, it's too much to ask of these people to try to like go against their very nature to be like, but if you if you include the crown. Yeah. Oh no, you, you keep like,
2: your king, we're just going to yeah. get rid of the left. You yeah. don't like them anyway, do you? Help us yeah. kill them. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, Congrats, I mean, you're win, a fascist win. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very savvy. And this is again, why I think people yeah. need to have more of the kind of like respect for Mussolini as opposed to seeing him as this buffoon is he's, so he's the first finesser. guy. He, he figures it out. He figures yeah. out how fascists are going to win. Anyway, so Mussolini decides, okay, I have to – I can't do what the anarchists and the communists and the left do and try to like overthrow the government. That's not going to work. My path to victory is going to be finding a way into the government, and this was not hard for him to do. Uh, He runs for office, and in May of 1921, he's elected to the Chamber of Deputies in Rome along with 34 other fascist party members. That is quick. Very quick, and they're kind yeah. of in the middle of the pack in terms of how many elected leaders they yeah. have. Um, but they're they're in the government now, and Mussolini barely ever showed up in chamber because he thought any governing body based around him compromising was dumb and not worth listening to, but Jeez. he liked the legitimacy that elected office gave him and his party. And it's not a coincidence that 1921 is also the year when the Royal Italian Army joined the police in cracking down on anti-fascists, because mm. now the fascists are part of the government, right? Oh, so man. we can, yeah. Now Here we are, guys. Becoming an elected leader also gave Mussolini immunity from prosecution while he was in office. This was helpful because, while the fascist party gained electoral power, Mussolini's black shirts were increasingly committing murder. And I'm going to quote now from a study in the Journal of Values-Based Leadership. Fascists agitated against the left in streets and neighborhoods across Italy. Socialist offices, institutions, and party newspaper headquarters were attacked and burned. Militias organized throughout the country in anti-Bolshevik crusades, breaking up strikes and fighting labor unions and farmer co-ops. The fascist squads, dressed in black shirts and uniforms, were supported by the local police, landowners, merchants, and industrialists. They used violence to destroy any organization they felt could be in opposition to the doctrine of fascism. Thousands of people were beaten, killed, or forced to drink cast Oil and run out of town. Hundreds of union offices, employment centers, and party newspapers were looted or burnt down. In October of 1920, after the election of a left administration in Bologna, fascists invaded the council chamber, causing mayhem and nine deaths. The council was suspended by the government. Later, so again, uh, a left-wing administration is elected in this city. Fascists invade the council and kill nine people and it's suspended by the government. Not Later, socialist and Catholic deputies were run out of parliament or had their houses destroyed. The two black years, 1921 to 1922, destroyed opposition to the fascists. Union organizations were crushed. The Fede Farmers co-op shrank from some 1 million members to less than 6,000 in less than five years. Unable to defend basic democratic rights or prevent the criminal activities of a private militia that operated openly and nationwide, the state had lost all credibility. Yo.
5: Gangbanging.
2: Any of that when, sound familiar? Yes, it does.
5: <laughs> it's, yes, it's like... uh yeah. God, dog. Like, you... It's something it's something that fascinated me as you was reading this is like really helping you get into the brain of like a fascist to where it's like the government's not the head, but an appendage. Yeah. Like you're just, you're a, you're an, you're a tool that I wield just like the population, the labor unions the military, the street guys, they're all just, they're all just appendages. These are arms, they're tentacles, but you're means to an end. So I'm getting into the government, not because I feel like that means I made it. It's just, no, I just need to wield the government Yeah. for my, and that like, to me, that's like a, you just like, oh, it's like your relationship is transactional. Like it's yeah. a functional, this isn't the goal I just need that. You're
2: my sword. And I'm like, yes, yes, exactly. Government government's just a sword. Yeah. Yeah. This is my weapon that I use on you. It's not a, it's not a list of, as I think a lot of liberals see, it's not a a series of obligations. It's not a social contract. It's a gun. It's a gun. Yeah. It's a gun. And when you, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. They listen, Mm -hmm. these, these, these gangsters, y'all. Everything we just read that the black shirts did has been the goal for years of the American fascist movement not just Mm -hmm. of groups like the Proud Boys, but of more extreme and explicitly Nazi organizations. Um, You can see evidence of this in attempted actions of men like Coast Guard Lieutenant Christopher Hassan, who was caught with an arsenal and a list of Democratic lawmakers he planned to murder. Um, This is very much what groups like the Proud Boys wanted to do to left-wing organizations nationwide. It's why you saw so many groups of right-wing counter-protesters and militias show up at BLM rallies, right? It's why before 2020 they were showing up at left wing anti-fascist events it's what you saw during the unite the right rally in charlottesville leftists surrounded and assaulted in mass for standing against fascists One of the great successes of the anti-fascist movement in the United States that was not uh, something that we saw in Italy has been the fact that they actually did succeed in the widespread disruption of particularly the leadership cast of different fascist organizations. Basically, everyone involved in planning Unite the Right had their life ruined, and most of them are no longer relevant on the streets. Nobody talks about Jason Kessler anymore. Nobody talks all that much about Richard Spencer anymore. Yeah. Um, some of them are in jail, like uh, uh, uh fuck, what's that guy's name? Uh, the crying not Chris Cantwell. Um, that's that's hom- that was homie that got kicked off a of Tinder. Yeah, yeah, that I think that happened to him too. Um, I, and you know, sorry, a lot of funny. them like. Richard Spencer's drowning in legal fees from lawsuits yeah. from people and and um, yeah in 2018 not just angry at court cases but angry at the fact that his speeches were continuously disrupted by anti-fascist activists Richard yeah. Spencer complained that giving these speech, like having these gatherings was no longer fun and quote Antifa is winning um, now he wasn't precisely right about that because January yeah. 6th showed that the fight is very far from one yeah, 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 but yeah. Spencer was beaten and most of the original wave of fascist leaders, the people who wanted to do mm-hmm. what Mussolini did, whose goal yeah. was to do what Mussolini did, guys like Spencer, they've been fucking sidelined, which means yeah. that most of the people who are prominent now have not been prominent in in a position of leadership for all that long. So while you have groups like the Proud Boys that have been around this whole time, militias that go back quite a while and more extreme groups that go back quite a while, mm-hmm. um, a lot of the leaders have been disrupted one way or the other, have had their lives fucked up. And it's stopped them from doing in some ways what maybe they might have otherwise done. It stopped them from gaining as much power. It stopped their organizations from being as cohesive. Um, Some organizations have been shut down, like Identity Europa. Um, So- it's This has been, if we want to look at, like, successes of a modern yeah. anti-fascist movement, that's been one of them. And I think we can credit that for the fact that the attack on the Capitol on the 6th was not better organized or more cohesive because no. there has been disruption of these movements. Do you um, want, to I,
4: know, I, we want to know what else would be a disruption of our our movements right now, Robert? That is was going to of an school. ad break? Capitalism. I've, I really Because that is
2: going to disrupt my train of thought significantly, yeah.
4: I don't like yeah. that I decided to do that, but america that
2: happened i'm gonna eat a chip that's a good call everybody eat a chip the evidence keeps pouring in at this point the facts are undeniable it's an open and shut case monopoly go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play.
0: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's
4: just a shame, you know, that they took him from
0: us Thought they were going to kill me so i kept my mouth shut and i didn't say anything all these years i didn't say anything. listen to cold-blooded the apollo jim murders on the iheart radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: are you ready to fight back against crime hi guys nancy grace here host of podcast crime stories with nancy grace i've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
2: we're back so prop I think you had you had something on your mind before we uh, uh, god damn it what the hell was I gonna say we're to ad break and you ate
4: a chip
5: what was I gonna say um oh um there's something that I think the these all school fascists did all school wow
2: um that these new guys haven't done it. Yeah, I think that's, I, I. it's It's one of those things, it's a fine, it's a fine um, distinction because at the, I do think there's a lot of value in showing these people as, as absurd and as sad as they are. Um, you have to do it without also making them feel like they're not a threat, which is hard, Yeah, that's a, that's uh-huh. a... And, and thankfully, I think one of the positives of how bad everything went on the sixth is that as absurd as it is, you know, one of the difficulties about talking about this movement to people for a while has been that, like, folks um, – we're like, okay, well, these are just a bunch of, of kooks on the internet yeah. wearing dumb like, t-shirts about Q. Like, yeah. we, why should I take this seriously? Like, that's why you should take it seriously. Because Look at what they crazy. Yes. Yeah. You just, yeah, it's
5: something again, like. They're dangerous. Yes. Yes. When you, when you, when you, that's why I said it earlier. It's like somebody hungry and angry. Like, you, if somebody tell you they willing to die, believe them. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like you, I, you, you should believe them. You take, you underestimate something you learn living in just the inner city. You don't underestimate anybody. Like Mm -hmm. if, if, you know, if they presented it to you, like, I just, I don't know how hungry you are. I might look like your lunch. Now, if I could overpower you or there's a whole other scenario, but you are right. like I'm not going to underestimate you. And I really feel like, you know, fast forwarding or yeah. Bringing us back to now is that I'm not sure, you know, Oh, oh, oh! Joe Biden really understand how serious your situation is. I, I don't think he does. They, um, they was gonna kill you, cause like yeah. I don't think you understand. They, that man, somebody coming to a Capitol building with a Viking horn. That man don't care about his life. He gonna kill you.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, yeah. I think I don't know. That is again one of the problems. Is I think a lot more people are taking it seriously. But I don't think Joe Biden is. I don't um, think he's I don't think you I don't think you understand, bro. Like yeah. you don't, th- I don't think you understand the severity of the situation. It's not done on the twentieth, big dog. Like we no. not we not done. Yeah. There's yeah. a bunch of people out there who if they had gotten who who if they get their hands on you will yes. do great harm to you. And they almost did it once in their heads at least. Uh you yeah, know, that's, a practice I, run, homie. Yeah. So uh, let's anyway. let's talk about we, we we go on a little bit of a tangent there, but yes. I want to talk about the Italian anti fascist So we just talked about kind of what I see as one of the big successes of the American yeah. anti-fascist movement. I want to talk about why the Italian anti-fascist movement did not succeed. Um, so the Italian anti-fascists began to raise their own proper army in July of 1921, uh, because again. The fascists had an army. The The Blackshirts were an army, and it was doing great damage to not just like anarchists, but to all left-wing movements around the country. So they formed their own army, the Arditi del Popolo, uh, like the People's Arditi, I think. Yeah. Um, so again, they're still using that norm. A lot of them are veterans, and they were a, a heterogeneous mix of anarchists, syndicalists, socialists, communists, republicans, and other non-authoritarian ideologies, the Arditi del Popolo were popular among the lower classes, among poor Italians, because they had no party affiliations. and They offered protection from the fascists, who were basically yeah. a violent gang. Now, there were other militia-style groups that confronted fascists, including the Arditi Rossi, uh, which was a communist organization. But the local communist party forbade them from allying with the anarchists and the republicans and the like because, like, y- you guys wow. aren't our fa- friends either, right? This is, again, you oh. see this happening in Germany. Okay. Now, there were communists who were part of the Arditi del Popolo, but they weren't, like – party communists you know yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a difference yeah, yeah. between those two things and it communists in this era is used a lot for people who were like very anti-authoritarian um a lot of folks would consider them basically anarchists today and also for people who are like stalinists you know oh, um okay. and that they weren't stalinist yet because it was you know 19 yeah, i was like wait 21 yeah. but like yeah they that's where they that's where they're they were they were headed I'm with you. um Yeah. So uh, on July 25th, 1921, the Arditi del Populo held their first national congress. Uh, One of their leaders, a guy named Argo Secondari, outlined the organization's goals in a speech. And uh, this is uh, uh, Argo here. The Arditi del Populo's action has to be defensive, but defense means above all to prevent and to render impossible any harm that can be caused by the adversary. The Arditi del Populo do not carry out punitive expeditions, but perform acts of justice. They do not carry terror into the population, but defend the people and organize their security. That is why the Arditi del Populo welcome members of various parties and contain representatives of all political beliefs. They do not intend to make politics, but leave this to the already existing parties. Parties and economic organizations. The Arditi mm. del Populo must act like a worker's army and give the proletariat defense and protection. Oh, that's not going to work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they tried. Um, now, you want to guess why it didn't work? They had no actual goals. They was just like, we're just, they're like, oh no,
5: there's no platform in my head. I'm like, ain't no platform. You just said, yeah. we're going to leave that to the government. Yeah, we just going to make sure. It's like, no, fool, the government's, Compromise,
2: anyway, tell me to answer. That is I mean, a great, that is a great, you know, that didn't even uh, occur, but you're, you're right. Like these guys are saying, our only goal is to defend you from the fascists, but that's not nearly as popular as saying, hey, here's what we, be- we're the fascists. Here's what we believe. Here's our platform. Here's what yeah. we're going to change. And we have this army, right? Yeah. Like that is, that is a very good point. Like you, like you said, they're leaving the platform up to the government who is not on their side. They, and The government don't like you, Yeah, yeah. 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 Now, that's not everybody, right? There's a lot of anarchists and stuff who aren't saying, like, I think we should leave it to the government, but they yeah. are saying, like, I'm not going to – I think that fighting fascism with these other people is more important than, you know, pushing my own political yeah. beliefs in this, necess- in this area, which is, yeah. I think, a respectable thing to take. But it was a problem that there was not a concerted, organized um counter left wing movement that was like yeah. that, that had like a solid platform in the to the extent yeah. that the fascists did, right? There were different yeah. left wing groups that confronted them and had platforms, but it was not like what it was not On the side and the same scale, you know? Yeah. And that's a problem that anti-fascists still have today. Right. Yeah. There's a strength in saying like, hey, if you're a communist, if you're an anarchist, if you're uh, uh, just a libertarian who's not an authoritarian, if you're a Democrat, like, come join us. We're just trying to fight the fascists. But there's a weakness in. Well, but also we don't agree on anything other than that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's
5: like, okay, cool. So what if you win?
2: Yeah. What do we do yeah. after that? Well, or how do you win? If yeah. they have a thing they believe that they're fighting for and you're mainly yeah. fighting against them, That that is true. There's a good point yeah. to that. Um, and there's obviously, there's a lot of anti-fascists who do, who wrap their anti-fascism in, um, this is part of the struggle against capitalism. This is part yeah. of the struggle for a better Got world. It. This is part of a okay. revolutionary. That's a lot of it today. Mm. Um, and there, those people did exist in Italy at the time, but this large organized, the Arditi del Popolo. Isn't really doing that, um, and it's it's part of their downfall, I guess, um, because the government starts spying on them. As is always the case, whenever leftists organize <laughs> in any government. Government yeah.
5: undefeated boy.
2: <laughs> yeah, and the in Italy's FBI equivalent actually did confirm in a report to the government that the Arditi del Popolo had quote only one principal aim, that is to react against fascism with the same means that are employed against them, i.e., armed defense. So mm-hmm. the the Italy's like FBI equivalent is like these guys are only there to for defense purposes. But despite this, the government orders a crackdown on the Arditi del Populo. They enforce anti-paramilitary laws against them. They dissolve local cells. They imprison many leaders and members. And by October, the organization is essentially defunct. Now, no such actions were taken against the Blackshirts. And as a result, by the end of 1921, Mussolini's fascist party had more than a quarter of a million members or like 300,000 members, something like that. Um, This is one of those situations where like... Your, your house is getting
5: broken into and you call the police and the police arrest you and yeah like fam this is my house like i'm telling you i'm not the problem i don't yep. understand this i'm telling you this is the issue and they're like we're gonna book them dano it's like mm-hmm. oh man like i feel like i don't know that's what it sounded like to me i'm like you yep. infiltrating the wrong hood right now
2: yeah, the, the police crack down, pre, and the army crack down exclusively on the anti-fascists. Yeah. And the fascists are allowed to continue to organize. And they say, like, they use the same laws against them they could have used on the fascists for having the black shirts. They just don't choose. They and choose especially,
5: not. And the part that don't make sense and continues to not make sense is, like you said, the fascists are telling you they platform. Mm-hmm. This is our plan. We finna overthrow you. Mm-hmm. and put all our guys in power and that's our dude that's our plan
2: mm-hmm.
5: oh you on our side okay cool like yeah well,
2: yeah it's because they it's i you know it's 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 because hatred of the left unites yeah. the fascists and the people who wouldn't necessarily be whole hogging on fascism but are because they hate the left Got it. which is you know why this this keeps happening and why um yeah, it's 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 frustrating. We deal with versions of the same problem today. And this is why I don't suggest people who are talking about like, well, in the wake of the sixth, we need a new anti-domestic terrorism statutes like that's only going to be used on the left. Like they'll yeah, do they'll use it once same. on a couple of Proud Boys and then it will yeah. be used against leftists for decades. That's the yeah, way it's sucks. going to happen. And Muslims, you know, anyone who's not a white conservative.
5: Oh, man. So as we know, the problem is white people. Always, yeah, (laughs) Yeah.
2: although in Italy, white people basically everybody's white, so that's really (laughs) pretty easy to say now, yeah. uh, so I'm just kidding, behind the bastards listeners, I'm just kidding, I'm much more nuanced than that.
4: I'm not kidding, behind the bastards listeners.
2: So uh, 1921, end of 1921, early 1922, the anti-fascist resistance has been heavily, like not completely eliminated, but very badly broken. Mm -hmm. Um, The fascists are ascendant. They have hundreds of thousands of members. They have elected leaders in government. Um, Now, again, they're kind of middle rung when it came to their actual number of elected leaders. They're not in charge at all. But Benito didn't care about how many actual elected deputies they said. He famously stated, I prefer 50,000 rifles to 50,000 votes. What mattered to him was having a presence in the halls of power which would enable him to get those rifles on his side. And of course the government's already shown that they're going to let him accrue rifles while they stop his opponents from getting rifles. Yeah. Now Mussolini starts in 1922 sketching out the dimensions of an ambitious and daring plan for a power grab. He had spent the last year or so placing strategic groups of fascists around the country, replacing shattered left-wing trade unions with their fascist equivalent, which allowed him to organize postal workers, cab drivers, and other working communities. He expanded the Blackshirts into a force of tens of thousands, a veritable paramilitary army. On October 16th, 1922, he convened a meeting in Milan with his most trusted deputies, including the three commanders of the Blackshirts and two Retired Italian army generals. He announced that he was planning to organize a mass march on Rome. He would gather a force of tens of thousands of blackshirts and march to occupy the capital and force a change of government. At mm. this stage, Mussolini did not think that he was going to be the head of that government. Instead, his goal was to force a coalition, a liberal prime minister with five fascist ministers, basically like um uh, cabinet well, secretaries, kind of, uh, okay. who would be the real power behind the scenes. So he wanted to have a liberal like in front and have it all be run by fascists, right? Okay. So the actual inspiration for the March on Rome came not from Mussolini, but from the secretary of the National Fascist Party, Michel Bianchi. Bianchi wanted an armed fascist insurrection to force the liberal ruling class to hand over power to Mussolini himself rather than even paying lip service to the idea of liberal democracy. And Bianchi eventually like, convinced everyone to go with his plan. Now, true to form, Mussolini took credit for it later, claiming that the march, the plan for the March on Rome had come to him after a rally in September when his supporters had chanted, to Rome. Rome, to Rome. But in any case, by October of 1922, he's ready to do this shit. So Mussolini gives a speech to about 60,000 of his followers at a fascist congress in Naples on October 24th, and he tells them our program is simple. We want to rule Italy. Now, as he spoke on the 24th, units of his black shirts were fanning out to occupy key locations around Italy in preparation Hmm. for this march on Rome. In all, some 26,000 fascist paramilitaries assembled with illegal arms and ammunition from the Warfare History Network, quote, Illicit stores of arms and ammunition were received secretly from sympathetic police stations and some army barracks, while armories and even museums were raided for antique firearms. The overall array of weaponry included shotguns, muskets, powder-loaded pistols, golf clubs, scythes, garden hose, tree roots, table legs, dynamite sticks, dried salt codfish, and even an ox's jawbone. What? Just whatever they can beat someone with. If they can't get a gun, it's anything they can hit someone with. And imagine an antique weapon already in
5: 1923. You know what I'm saying? That's an old
2: gun. That's an old gun,
5: boy.
4: This is so weird.
5: It's just whatever they can get their Yo, hands on. So, that was it. You actually answered one of the questions I had. I was like, so if they're marching to Rome, where are they coming from? So, they're coming
2: from everywhere. He's in Naples yeah. right now.
5: Yeah. But they're coming from everywhere. They are coming huh?
2: from everywhere. Okay. And they have horses and carts, trucks and wagons. They even have a race car with a machine gun mounted to it. Jeez. Um, and they See, have guys riding that's, on trains.
5: That's, that's style and finesse. You feel
2: it, me? Like, there's some style in the in machine gun race that's cars. Some you got to give it right there. You got to give it to them. Yeah. And a lot of people are just marching on foot, too. Now, (laughs) obviously, this is a cause for concern for some people in the government. Two days after the Naples speech, former Italian prime minister Antonio Salandra becomes aware of Mussolini's plans, and he warns the current prime minister that the fascist leader was organizing an armed march on the capital. Salandra's intelligence told him that Mussolini planned to demand the prime minister's resignation and demand that he be appointed head of the government instead. So the prime minister... Obviously, he's also worried by this. He goes to the king with this warning, and he asks the king for permission to use the police and military to suppress the fascists. The king refuses. So the Hmm. reason the king says no is that he had just sat down with his minister of war, General Armando Diaz. Now, the general, who was not quite – well, who was basically a fascist, tells the king that if he asks the army to stop Mussolini, quote, the army will do its duty, but it would be better not to put it to the test. Basically, he's like Sheesh. enough of the army likes these guys that you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't Dang. try it. Uh. So, King Victor Emmanuel the Third, the Little Sword, was not like an ideological fascist. <laughs> I can't. Every time you say it, I know I it's very it. silly. Oh man, what if that was his like
5: Tinder profile? <laughs> so, like, yeah, little little sword.
2: sword. He's not a fascist in no, the sense sad. that he doesn't believe in fascism. He believes yeah. in a monarchy. And more specifically, he believes in a monarchy where he's the monarch. Yeah. Now, by 1922, the Kingdom of Italy is in bad financial straits. Uh, World War I had been a disaster for the country. The Great – like, not the Great Depression, but like a an economic collapse has hit Europe as a result of the end of the war. It's mm-hmm. horrible in Munich uh, in this period of time too, yeah. right? Political violence in the streets had reached a fever pitch, largely thanks to Mussolini's black shirts, and the king was afraid there might be a civil war. More than anything, he was worried about the rising Italian left. The Socialist Party had 146 members in the Chamber of Deputies, and the communists had 11, giving them together nearly five times as much elected representation as the fascists. Now, communists and socialists aren't big fans of kings, and Victor Emmanuel crudely calculated that the fascists would let him continue to be the king. <laughs> Oop. Oh. He also, and this is important, calculated that the middle class would back the fascists if it meant crushing the left. And he was right on both counts. Yeah. Some of the king's generals did push back and demand he sign orders to send the army out after the black shirts. The king threatened to abdicate at this, insinuating that this would put Italy in the same position as Russia had been in when the czar abdicated. Basically, mm. if you force me to use the army on these fascists, I will leave the throne. And you saw what happened to Russia yeah. when the czar left the throne. You don't want those scary bolsheviks being in charge Ooh, so let's, let's not the, bolsheviks. Let the fascists in
5: come on man yeah dang. you it's like that's see that's what like at the end of the day that's to me that's like the problem with like when you only understand the world via like power broke brokering and mm-hmm. might you know um like in my mind like i take it's a weird comparison but if you take like mike pence's like position right now, like with the 25th amendment or president being impeached. It's like he, if for lack of better term, either way, he's a bitch because yeah. it's like, first of all, it's not like, it's not like Donald Trump has ever respected you. Cause you do what the hell he tells you to do. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this man, this man was finna let these, they was yelling to kill you Tots. and he didn't mm-hmm. stop it and you ain't do shit, Mike, you ain't do shit, you let this man, and you still gonna back this man? You're a bitch. You
4: understand what I'm saying? The one time he publicly disagrees with you, and then he calls for your head, and they want to take it. And they would, and if they got the chance, they would have.
5: And you didn't mm-hmm. say nothing, you're a bitch. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I mean, I'm saying that tongue it. you can understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So it's like, you're okay, so then, so then Nancy Pelosi and, and, and with the with the uh the Democrats with the impeachment being and so it's almost like them saying, Yo, get your boy before we do, right? Yeah. So then, so now, and and then if he doesn't, if he doesn't if he doesn't stop the impeachment, you're a bitch again. You know what I'm saying? If you don't call for the 25th amendment. You're a bitch. You feel me? So it's just like, no matter what, the, the, the moral of the story is you should have never signed up to play with this man. You know what I'm saying? So it shouldn't have got here in the first place because all, this, all these people understand is power brokering. So when you, so if you King Lil' Sword, you feel me? <laughs> you set yourself up to a situation where these people only understand power. Either way, you're a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I don't, I mean, I'm, I hate saying it like that. I just because it's like I'm not trying to, like, throw shrapnel towards, you know, what I'm saying a derogatory term sort of female. You know, what I'm saying that's not what I'm trying to say. But I am saying just in street terms, that's what we mean. There's you can't you've put yourself in a position where you can't leave this unscathed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And it's yeah, that's kind of where we are here. And so the king and also a lot of liberal elected leaders mm-hmm. are like okay, let's like let's let these people in. Let's you let know? them do it. They're not as scary as these leftists, so let's let the fascists into the government.
5: Can you imagine um, being you imagine being a king where it's like my bloodline go back to the 1500s and mm-hmm. I'm the one that's about to lose the I'm not going to lose this crown. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I I get the calculation. It's just you're it's just you're the you're the punk in this.
2: Yeah. You know you're saying? starting the ball of fascism rolling in Europe. Yeah. Because you want to yeah. keep a throne. And because a lot of other elected leaders so when uh his so his prime minister resigns when it becomes clear that the king is not going to stop the fascists, yeah. and a bunch of former prime ministers, many of them liberals, start petitioning the king to make them the prime minister again so that they can make Mussolini their vice minister to placate the fascists. So like again, establishment politicians cannot wait to make a deal with the fascists. Yeah. Like couldn't do it fast enough. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, the king says no, though, because the king has decided that Mussolini's going to be the new premier, oh. right? That he's just going to give him straight to the big job. And yeah. while all this is going on, the black shirts are marching. So years later, Mussolini would claim to have marched on foot with his soldiers all the way to the capital. The reality is that he stayed in Milan for the first day, <gasps> few days of the march. He was seen at the theater two just nights in, in a row. Yeah. Like, he's not. I'm Stay back here just in case. Well, it's like how Donald Trump tells his crowd to like march on the Capitol and then goes back home.
5: <laughs> <laughs> behind bull- he's like, that's the problem." I'm like, do y'all see this man behind bulletproof glass? Yeah. Telling you. No, they to got go guns over
2: there. I'm not doing that. Yeah, you know
5: what I'm <laughs> Like, why you follow this man? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Feel like one of you might get shot. Anyway, good luck. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm good
5: though. You see this glass, mm. you you got mm. go shoot me.
2: Yeah. So uh yeah, he stays in Milan. He keeps a getaway car gassed up and ready, prepared to flee to Switzerland. Actually, more ready to flee for Switzerland than he is to actually go to Rome because he's sure they're going to crack down on this. He's just making just a gamble. In case, homie. He doesn't think it's going to work. Uh, I got a plan B. <laughs> eventually, though, after several days, he realizes that the king is not going to institute martial law to stop the march and that he'd won. Like, this is Dang. a dawning realization while he's in Milan that, like, oh shit, we're getting away with this. So, so <laughs> that has to be Donald Trump. He's very. There's some similarities
5: where he was like, "Wait, wha- wait, what? Wait, what?
2: We did so, it!" Yeah. Kind of shocked that this had worked. Mussolini starts scrambling to dress himself up as the revolutionary leader. It now kind of seemed like he was. And I'm going to quote now from the Warfare Historical Network. Mussolini's own Milan newspaper office, where he was staying, was barricaded with huge rolls of newsprint paper and barbed wire and guarded by a curious mix of fascist police and army troops. His second-floor offices featured hand grenades and desk trays, and the flustered Duce himself was seen brandishing a rifle. Melodramatically, he wrote in his 1928 autobiography, "'There was a rapid exchange of shots. I had my rifle loaded and went down to defend the doors. Bullets whizzed around my ears.'" This is all a lie. Uh, the reality is that the yeah. Milan police chief refused to even arrest him. The mayor and commander of the Royal Guard asked for a truce with the fascists and withdrew their men from around his office. Um, there was no real crackdown taken on Mussolini directly whatsoever. Now, while his militia marched, they took over telephone switchboards, telegraph offices, waterworks, and other government buildings. Um, very little resistance to this. About seven black shirts are shot dead by the army in various skirmishes um, during this period of time, and about a dozen people die over the course of the march on rome mussolini gets increasingly confident as phone calls start coming in from the royal palace from the king but he refuses the first three calls from the king because mussolini does understand how power works and he knows that when you got him on the ropes you want to you want to bring him a little bit closer right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, you're willing to make a call i'm not going to take that first call i'm going to take that second or that third call either yeah 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 get him close get him close that's how you do it yep So, uh, eventually, uh, he decided that his men had occupied enough territory that he felt confident the king was not going to turn around and shoot him as a traitor if he showed up in Rome. So, on the night of October 29th, Benito Mussolini took a sleeper train from Milan to Rome. For the soon-to-be dictator, the march on Rome consisted of a single 14-hour train ride. So, he does no marching. He takes a train right into the capital while his guys are marching and fighting. (laughs) Give me that's a long walk, bro. No, I'm not marching to Rome. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) So 20th Benito, century bro I'm not marching <laughs> we got trains now Benito would later lie about every major aspect of the march on Rome the reality is that about seven blackshirts again were shot and a dozen people died once they were in power the fascists claimed that 3,000 people had been killed in vicious fighting for control of the capital which is, again just a lie to make it seem heroic Yeah. when he finally met the king Mussolini's first words were your majesty will forgive my attire I have come from the battlefield
5: Oh, getting,
2: my God. You came from Milan, dude. <laughs> like, Yo.
5: <laughs> <laughs> two points for style, dog. Yeah, okay. no, it's a good line. It's a good, oh, forgive me, I just came from battle.
2: What did yeah. You, at the buffet line? Yeah. Like, where were you fighting? <laughs> where were <Yeah>. you battling? <laughs> I told the army not to fight you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Victor Emmanuel has to have known Mussolini was lying about that, but he liked Mussolini. He considered him a, quote, man of purpose, and he appointed him as premier foreign minister and interior minister. On October 31st, the day after Mussolini's meeting with the king, his black shirts finally arrived in Rome. He had them turn around immediately and march to the train station so they could go home. As the fascist columns withdrew, the king declared, Mussolini has saved the nation. (laughs) That is hilarious. Mm -hmm.
5: Yeah. Let me recap that for a (laughs) sec. I sent y'all, got what I needed, then I sent you back. And you saying I saved? I love it. Yeah.
2: It's great. It's a great position to be in if you're Mussolini. He's really riding a high right now. Yeah. Because a lot of Italians (laughs) agreed that he'd saved the nation because people are. Really fucking dumb. And again, Out. you have to assume very little access to accurate news about what was happening. Where is you know? your antennas? Yeah. Now, the Roman middle class was overjoyed by the lack of violence and by the fact that the dreaded anarchy and the threat of a communist revolution had been avoided. The oh, stock market sheesh. rose on news of, of Mussolini's power grab. And I should note here that on January 6th, 2021, the Russell 2000 Index of Small Capitalization stocks rose 3.7 percent, uh, while the S&P 500 rose 0.6 percent. Now this had less to do with the stock market loving the fact that there'd been an attempt to take over the capital yeah. and more to do with it loving stability because January 6th ended with everybody repudiating the president and the certainty yeah. that there would be a transfer of power. Yeah. And but that's kind of the same reason why the stock market's raised when Mussolini like took power. It's yeah. because someone was in power. There was certainty, right? Yeah. That's, that's I,
5: I love that I love that you brought that up because mm-hmm. like if you if you want to talk about you know, big corporations, you know, one percenters, high money, they are still beholden to a stable government that yes. will um, like affirm and support their contracts. Like if I got contracts all over the place and you breach this contract, I want to be able to sue the crap out of you. So I got to take you to a court. That means I have to have a government stable enough that says so, so. So, yeah. So, so, so it has no, no moral value either way. I just need y'all to chill. And mm-hmm. if, and if, and if there's somebody that could stop it, chill, now that y'all agree, I'll, uh, cool. I don't care what you agree with, just as long as y'all agree so that my money can keep coming. So yep. that's that, 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 that point about the stock market. That's dope, man. That, that's the type of stuff that like, you know, I always always cringe any any time any leader I don't care who you are say well the stock market rose this and it's like man what the fuck that guy ain't got to do nothing they just want y'all to you know what I'm saying like that's that doesn't that's not the indicator that you that you say
2: it is. Yep, it's not. Um, it's and it's not. it's yeah, it's yeah. a sign. It's a sign that the people who are rich are confident they're going to continue to be rich. This Um, is
5: all it is, and that's
2: that's that's where fascism's power traditionally comes from, and not as much from the rich as it does from the middle class. The middle class of Italy backed Mussolini for the same reason; he meant stability, right? It, yeah. Maybe they weren't all fascists. Most of them weren't. Most of them had never really like hadn't supported the fascists prior to him coming into power. But mm-hmm. now that he was in power, it means the communists aren't going to win. It means I'm not going to lose my business. I'm not going to lose like whatever. Like the because yeah. I'm in the middle class, I got shit to lose. Right. Yes, that's what the middle class is. You're the shit to lose class. Yes. Um. Now, yeah, the middle class was in Italy as it has been in every country that's been taken over by fascists. The chief base of fascist support. Yes. Um. And this is true, again, everywhere fascism gains political power. In March of 2016, an NBC survey found that only about a third of Trump supporters in the primaries had a household income at or below the national median income of $50,000 a year. Mm. Um, and that stayed more or less the same for the election. Um, and again, you can look at the same kind of things happened in Germany. Um, yeah, the same, I, it was the same class that supported him. The, the, yeah, like it, it's important. And
5: I, I again, another thing I love you just brought up brought this up too because it's like when you're talking about somebody that lives below the poverty line you don't have time to be listening to whatever the fuck the the politicians are saying like i'm trying to secure my next meal so there's not a they don't you don't have the luxury to go lobby and and canvas and do all the things that someone who has a uh you know, liquid capital, like leisure capital be able to do. So that's the middle class. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, so yeah, it's just, yeah, same thing like us critiquing our own silo to be like, man, don't, you can't just call this. You can't just say it was all these poor, these poor it's white not, people that put them in yeah. power because they hungry. They working. Yeah. These poor people
2: working. They ain't got and time for all this. You'll More than say. anything, it's the fucking, it, what the fascists are saying to the middle class, to the comfortable, yes. is saying like, you see that poor motherfucker who doesn't have time to think about any of this because he's living yeah. a hand in mouth? The communists are going to make that be you, you that know? Could be like, you. <laughs> yep. that's, the, that's the fucking pitch. Yep. Um, and it works Every time, or at least it, it, it works well enough <laughs> yeah. that it becomes a problem every yeah. time. Maybe it's yeah. not going to work this time. We'll fucking see. Yeah. Um, Trump because Trump was leading middle-class support in 2020. I don't know. We'll see. He really was, man. Yeah. So that's good. We owe that to Behind the Bastards. Thank you. Yeah, I take total credit uh, <laughs> All of for that. Biden's victory. Thank you so much. Um, <laughs> So yeah, fascism generally cloaks itself as a working class movement of laborers and hard men doing hard jobs. It's always the yeah. image, right? The the, yeah. the imagery of like a guy working at a steel mill or some shit. Yeah. But that's not where their support actually comes no. from. The support of fascism comes from a lot of mi- like the middle class and the a lot of the affluent. Not all of the affluent, because a lot of the very rich are more establishment people. They're not going to mm-hmm. back a, they'll back a fascist when they're in power because again they don't want to lose their shit. Needs to build like it's all you need. They're, yeah, they're they're. they're Up until it becomes clear the fascists are going to win, they're going to back whatever the order was previously. Mm. The middle class is scared and anxious and always being pushed from both directions. So they're the ones who really will go with the fascist. And the first person in history to really lay this out was Luigi Salvatorelli. Now, he was an editorial writer for an anti-fascist newspaper named La Stampa. I'm going to re-quote now from an article on the March of Rome by scholar Emilio Gentile talking about Luigi Salvatorelli and how he came to this conclusion. A year before the March on Rome, Salvatorelli understood that fascism was a new revolutionary movement and that it organized and mobilized a new social class, the petite bourgeoisie, equally hostile to the proletariat and the upper middle classes. Salvatorelli Mm. had labeled fascism reactionary Bolshevism, a danger today infinitely more real than communist Bolshevism. He had sensed that fascist ambitions went beyond the bourgeoisie anti-proletarian reaction and the protection of the middle class. The dictatorial ambition of fascism, Salvatorelli wrote in December 1921, had already shown its face in parts of Italy, where the fascist party was imposing its dictatorial will by crushing opponents to whom they denied any political or civil right, including the right to live. In July 1922, when not even Mussolini had thought about taking over power, Salvatorelli denounced the ongoing anti-state attack perpetrated by fascism that was endangering the very existence of the Italian state in order to to establish a regime of violence throughout the country. Immediately after the March on Rome, Salvatorelli stated that the fascist government was determined to establish a one-sided dictatorship because it did not want any political activity to be carried out outside of fascism. Salvatorelli saw in fascism as he wrote on November 1st, 1922 the true and proper characteristic of a political movement of a party organized for its own ends of a specific social class and that aimed at the conquest of power on its own was determined to fling itself against the existing state in the name of the presumed greater good of the nation
5: Hmm. (sighs) needed a breath after that one yeah, it's a lot there there's a lot there he suggested something that I the thought in that that the thought never crossed my mind yeah. that as there were so many big words it's hard for me to nail down exactly where I heard it but he almost suggested the possibility of a two party system in a fascist state when he was like this fascism impresses it was almost like he it, it sounded redundant where he was kind of like this one. Party power, fascist state. As if it's possible to have a two-party system in a yeah, fascist. Yeah, well, because that's is what
2: at the time at the time fascists were a part of the government, right? And a uh, lot of people, even a lot of like liberals, were like, "Well, it, they're not that dangerous. They're just one other party. They have their view. This is that that's it's that old thing of like, well, they have an uh, opinion, and everybody gets to have their view, and like we have to listen to them. Yeah. They ha- they get the freedom to speak their piece. Okay. And what Salvatorelli is saying is their piece. What they're saying they believe is that only their opinion matters, and they'll kill you if you have a different one. Got it. So we he's can't like, let them in the government. Got <laughs> it. So he's trying to say, are y'all yeah. hearing what he's saying?
5: Yeah. Y'all really did you hear what he just said? Like this is oh, not I just another party. Feel like y'all did like hear what
2: party. he just said? Yeah. Yeah. If okay. we let them, they will be the only party. Right. Got it. Um, okay. and he's and he's also saying like they are their strength comes from a class. Right. And because the, um, a lot of the communists at the time had been like, had written off the fascists as any kind of real movement. And had even written off the March on Rome. We'll talk about that later in the series. We're going to do a big episode at the end on sort of what we can learn from all this, but Mm -hmm. There was a a big failure among a lot of people in the left and even anti-fascists to see fascists as the threat that they really were. Because number one, they were so darn silly. But number two, like, well, you know, I'm looking at this from this Marxist analysis, and it tells me that all these classes, like, it 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 Mm. informs it. I don't I don't see this as a legitimate political movement that is speaking to a class. That has a large body of the populace behind it.
5: Yeah. Um, So okay, that was the piece I was missing. When you add the Marxist like glasses on there, and you go, "Oh, yeah. Well, who's well? Where do they fit? Like, where's the car? This can't be real because they don't fit in none of these."
2: Yeah, and you. there's there's this attitude, again, we'll talk about this later among a lot of Marxists that, like, well, fascism is just the inevitable in state of capitalism. And one of the things Salvatorelli's saying, and a lot of things we'll say, is like, that's not exactly true. Fascism mm-hmm. is pro-capitalism a lot of the time. It's also anti-capitalism a decent chunk of the time. And that's how it gets a lot of people on board with it. Yeah. Um, it's it's it is speaking to a specific class in the country who feels edged out by both sides, who feels oppressed by the rich and who feels that the left is coming for what little they do have, right? Yes. That's who gets on board with this shit. And you have to see that they are looking out for their own, that that, that they have legi- like interests that they see being threatened. Like that this is not just some that, sort of yeah. like plot by the bankers to take power for themselves, right? Yes. The, the, the fascists are speaking to legitimate um, you know, even if they're wrong, legitimately felt. A belief, exactly. Like, those, like, those are like like legitimate. Threats. Yeah. Those are legitimate emotions that that yes. you
5: are actually in your body experiencing, whether mm-hmm. that's the reality. Like, oh, I say that about like, yeah. um, there's this, this you know, this discussion about like, well, you know, race is a social construct. Therefore, it's not real. Therefore, racism is not real. And I'm like, okay, yes, you're right. Race is a social construct. But what I'm experiencing in my body is real, it's mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. So, I, I love that I love that because it's like I, yeah, that's that's what you can't dismiss about these people that are so riled up that they would storm a capital. Is it's that what they're experiencing in their bodies is exactly what you said is mm-hmm. being is is you're pressed on both sides, and, and yeah, you feel that way at least, you feel it at least. Yeah, and this person is saying, Yeah, these group of people are saying, I feel you. Yeah. and I have an answer for you.
2: Yeah and I have an answer yeah. for you and it's let's kill the left and take over the government, you know? Easy. Like yeah, easy. Um yeah. yeah, and that's why you know the sixth happened. Um yeah. so Mussolini uh uh takes office um so 2 weeks after the march the, uh, on Rome on November Come back 6th. from the buffet. Come back to yeah, the buffet. Yeah, back Bay from War. the buffet. Ready At to leave. yeah he's ready to uh, eat. November 16th, 1922, he stands before the Chamber of Deputies to present his new list of ministers. So he picks out all the people who are going to run the government, all fascists. Um, Now, the new Prime Minister, uh, Mussolini, begins his speech to the Chamber of Deputies by attacking the nation's elected leaders, calling them old and deaf and incompetent. And he even threatened (laughs) them with violence, stating, with 300,000 armed men determined to carry out my orders, I could have punished those who have vilified and tarnished fascism. I could make this deaf and gray hall filled exclusively with fascists. I could, but I have not, at least not for now. (laughs) He said,
5: said, shut up. Mm -hmm. Shut up, Gramps. I slapped the shit out of you.
2: Now, the, he promised his assembled deputies that his new fascist Italy would ensure law and order, strengthen the military, and crush the left. The next day, the Chamber of Deputies conducted a vote of confidence, which Mussolini won 306 to 116. So again, he, th- he says, like, I'll, I can fucking kill you if I want to. Yeah. And they're like, yeah!
5: <laughs> thumb, thumb up. I'll put it, yes. I yeah. I a I'm voting aye for you
2: may just threaten your life yeah (laughs) i'm gonna read a quote from an article by emilio gentile uh about um anti-fascism in Italy and about the march on Rome. quote Benito Mussolini could now claim that power was bestowed on him by democratic means, even though it was claimed that many votes were cast out of terror and intimidation from the fascists, which he had literally threatened the yes, entire I, chamber out Benito, out <laughs> Benito was the man of the hour. He was, in fact, eminently a product of a particular crisis, World War I and a special social class, the petty bourgeoisie. Mussolini's capture of power was classic. He was the right national leader at the right moment. By 1923, Mussolini's consolidation of power was complete. Italy was a fascist state, and any resistance to the regime from then on would take the form of mere insurgency. In total, between 1918 and 1923, Italian anti-fascists killed some 428 fascists. Meanwhile, Mussolini's blackshirts murdered at least 3,000 people in the same period. Most of those people were not anti-fascists. They were members of trade unions, journalists, local politicians, anyone who stood in in the way between fascists and ultimate power. And again, we've talked a bit about why the Italian anti-fascists didn't succeed and that's a longer conversation than we can have mm-hmm. today. I think you're right that a lack of a a lack of something with momentum to oppose fascism, true momentum was a part of it. Yeah. Um a lack of uh state support is another part of it. There's a thing that some folks on the kind of who are are um anti-fascist and anarchist activists in particular, we'll talk about called the three-way fight, which is the idea that we're not just fighting against the fascist. We're fighting against the state and we're fighting against the fascist because the state Mm. is also deeply harmful and deeply injurious to life. And that was particularly very strongly felt by people during uh, the BLM uh, yeah. uprisings of 2020 right like yeah we have these fascists these proud boys and stuff coming in the street to do violence to us we also have the cops doing it we're in a three-way yeah. fight right very yeah. valid way to look at things it's also an almost impossible situation to win because the fascists aren't in a three-way fight the fascists no. if they're smart they're not dumb fascists yes. sometimes are yes um and maybe our fascists have taken a turn for the dumb let's hope but <laughs> the smart fascists Get to power with some degree of legitimacy and legality, and then yeah. use the state to crush their enemies because they don't want a three-way fight, right? And that's yeah. a problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because yeah, because yeah, because the government's just a weapon. It's not. Yeah, because the government's not the just end goal. A it's just
5: a yeah. weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sheesh, man! I need a shower. Yeah. Oh, get that! Please tell me you're done.
2: Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm done. That's the end of episode
5: one. <laughs> oh, <Lord>. yeah. <laughs> dog it's like the it's just the part of you that feels like these people give you this when you're trying to to stop when you're the ones trying to stop an insurrection it's like these people give you no you have no safe haven. they give you no breaks like they, you can never stop and take a breath because they are gonna read that as weakness and then next thing you know somebody tying up Nancy Pelosi. And it's not mm-hmm. that I'm a Nancy Pelosi fan. It's just, you shouldn't be able to tie Nancy Pelosi up. You know yeah, what I'm that's saying? that's not like, how
2: that should happen.
5: That's not how it should happen. You feel me? Like, I just, this, and it's not that I'm a fan of the U.S. government. However, uh-huh. you know what I'm <laughs>
2: However, yeah. there are worse things to live there under. There are worse things, yes. <laughs> yeah.
5: So it's just like, there's, yeah, like you said, like you feel like you're in a three-way fight. And my fight is, is especially as, as someone who, would say organizationally and factually my black life matters right is that that's all I'm trying to say is nigga can I live like god damn it man can I live you know and and so you you my goals I feel like in a lot of ways if it comes to like how do I say this like I'm not looking for as a, as a black person, if you will, I'm not, I'm just looking for my rights to be honored. Yeah. That's all I'm trying to say. Just honor my rights. Like I have no, there's no platform of a reconstruction of the government short of just stop fucking killing. Like, let me just be a citizen like you, dog. Like that's all I'll try. He just let me be a citizen like you, bro. Like that's all I'm saying. So, so when you, when you try to, when you pit me against a fascist movement that's saying, well, no, our goal is to overthrow this whole thing and be in charge. And no, you don't get rights. And somehow the government choosing you, it's like, it's hard. It's almost like all I, all I get to do now is, I got homeboys that live in Atlanta. And what they saying is they finna just grab their popcorn and watch the civil war between these fascists and the, and the police. Like, I'm just going cause it's like, I don't, I want to be on the side of the government, but the government on the side of me either. You know what I'm saying? Yep, so it's yep. just, you just in this weird predicament, but I well, know who I don't want to win. Do you know what I'm saying?
2: Yeah. And I, it, yeah. this is where we get to the problem of the side opposing the fascists has done a lot of good uh, and it is important to oppose fascists. What's actually needed to beat them. Opposing yes. them is one thing and it can slow them down. What's needed to beat them is to provide something else that is not the state as it exists because that's not working. Yes. Um, But that you can also get people on enough people on board with the fascists don't have oxygen anymore, right? Yeah. The fascists, it's like a fire, right? Where you've got Uh a bunch of dry fucking brush and trees and shit and oxygen. And as long as you have those things, the fire's going to spread. And the way to counter that is to fucking pour some fucking water on it, you know? Um,
5: no, nah, it's, it's a good example. That's a good you, analogy, man, yeah. You need
2: to reduce the area in which it can spread and it's human terrain, right? Yeah. So by, the only way to reduce that's the good. human terrain the shit can spread in is to give people something else. Yes, yes. Because they don't have anything right Yes, now. that's what I was
5: going back to when you was yeah. asking me like, why did this fail? I was like, they didn't give them nothing else. Yeah, It just said, don't yeah. do this.
2: Well then, well, it's, what
5: do we do? Because this shit yeah. that we got now ain't working.
2: Yeah, so it's either yeah. the government that led us into World War One, uh, or some people who are saying we should do what they're doing in Russia right now, and that doesn't look great. Uh, um, yeah. And you know, most of the liberals are like on the side of like, well, we'll just we'll just keep tweaking the system that got us into World War One. And yeah. a lot of people are like, that doesn't seem good. That don't seem good either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I need
5: a, I need a, I need an option D, Jake.
2: Yeah, I'm poor. My government I sucks. Is. I have no <laughs> hope for the future. Saying. What's up, Jake? This guy is saying it'll be different. Dr. Jake. Fuck it. Yes. Let's see if it's different. You yes, know? Exactly uh It's like the,
4: it's like when you're watching a, a basketball game and it's your two least favorite teams playing, and you want both of them to lose, but there isn't a yeah. way for one of them not to. Like somebody has to win, so there somebody has, to, has be, to win. There has to be some sort of interference that makes it so that the game can't yeah. even happen. Yeah, and like, yeah otherwise
2: you're gonna just pick your Joe, Joe, your Joe Biden. You get stuck you know? with Joe
4: Biden, so you get. Stuck yeah, otherwise, with, you get yeah. Joe
2: Biden. You get. Has, yeah. Nobody wants that either.
4: You know, <laughs> <It's
5: laughs> That's like that's bad. That, that's what I'm like. Look, dog. Like, do do not say, and I'm glad nobody has suggested that like Joe Biden is just a left wing, like I version mean, of Trump to where some I'm people like, no, did. he is a consolation prize. <laughs>
4: he's, yeah. he's, he's the consolation prize of the we consolation prize. S- yes,
5: we settle <laughs> for Joe Biden. Like this yeah. nigga ain't the coming Messiah. He uh, <laughs> he he the disciple Bartholomew yeah. at best. You know he's what I'm saying? Barely like, conscious. He not, yeah. even, he not even Peter or John, my nigga. <laughs> like <it> was, <laughs>
4: this is so funny.
5: <laughs> that's, a, that's a deep cut, boy. <laughs> I, 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 You're not even Paul, cause like you Timothy, you ain't even write no book in the New Testament.
4: I'm tearing up, and my whole face is red. This is so so funny. That's a that's
5: a that's a that's a that's an evangelical joke.
4: So that's the first part of this behind the insurrection series, part part motherfucking one. Uh, Prop, where can people follow you?
5: Oh Lord, please follow me at Prop Hip Hop on all them things. yeah all all of the twitters and instagrams um you could my website profitpop.com backslash coffee yeah that is my website (laughs) and we do coffee stuff there um got some pods uh politics with prop uh which is um political analysis just from like you know if you survived eighth grade (laughs) you could you understand (laughs) geopolitics (laughs) you know i just kind of giving you political analysis yeah, so that's 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 my that's my thanks.
4: And uh we'll we'll be back soon.
2: Robert. Yep, we will be back soon. We'll be back to talk about the Munich Beer Hall Putsch um, next yeah, week yeah. Um, and then we'll talk about some other shit and then we're going to end this talking in broad about why fascists win when they win and why fascists lose when they mm-hmm. lose. You're a gift to the world, Robert. Uh like, 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 socks. A nice pair of socks.
4: Robert doesn't know how to take compliments. As That's you can right. notice, yeah, I'm just, just gonna happens. run
2: away from my computer now. Goodbye.
4: <laughs> That's the episode.